Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. So this morning we're going to start our introduction into Ephesians. And um, it's a great book. It was a letter written by Paul to the church in, Ephes- in Ephesus, not in Ephesians, in Ephesus, a place where Paul laboured for two years. And Ephesus is an ancient port city and it's still there today in modern day Turkey. And it was considered a very important Greek city. It was a a big trading centre within the Mediterranean region. And it's known as a a prison epistle because Paul wrote it in prison like Colossians and Philippians and Philemon. And it's important to remember that as we read through it because it's full of amazing truths and yet Paul was in prison And this wasn't like a prison that you see on TV today. This was, you know, it was pretty grim. And I'm not sure that I would have actually fancied writing an epistle to a church when I was in prison, but he did a great job. And it's also known as a circular epistle because it was designed to be read in churches. So I'm actually stealing someone's sermon this morning and I'm reading it, but it is the word of God. And it's important to remember that. And Ephesians explains how the church comes and can come into the full maturity of Christ. And it explains the nature and the purpose of Christ and all about the body of Christ. And so some of the major themes that we're going to cover over the next few weeks is that we are chosen. We are chosen. We are sealed. We are saved by grace. It's not something that we've done ourselves. We're going to talk about the unity in the body and that the church is living, that we are living stones. We're going to look at the practice of believers in relation to one another, in relation to spiritual gifts, in relation to our former lives and evil, the Holy Spirit, home life and work, and that we've come into a new family. I read a commentary recently that said that Ephesians was the preacher's dream. I'm not sure whether I agree with that. I think they they put that because there's so many great themes within Ephesians. But I have to confess that when I read through this now, I've got to be very, very disciplined. Because I just could go off on a tangent. Because there's so many things in it that are so thrilling. So if you have Bibles or whatever you call a Bible these days... David asked me to say that. Um, (laughs) And I'm going to read from the NIV this morning. So this is the letter from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for his glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. 
He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. And he showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us God has now revealed to us his mysterious, his mysteries with regards to Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, we are united with Christ and we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles who have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he purchased, it, purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in the knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are rich, who have a rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in a place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. He is now far above every, any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live, used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, who is so rich in mercy, and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave, he, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us through all future ages of examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed 
and you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected their own bodies and not their hearts. In those days you were living apart from Christ You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises that God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near through the blood of Jesus. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when... In his own body on the cross, he broke down the walls of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law and its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles, creating in himself one people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you, Gentiles, who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done to us, done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, Assuming, by the way, that you know that God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to the Gentiles, as I, wrote briefly, as I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. And as you read what I've written, you will understand my insight into the plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe in the good news share equality in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and enjoy the promises of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. He has chosen me to explain his mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, has kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom 
its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly into the, and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honoured. And when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you know, and may you have the power to understand as God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. And then you will make, then you will make complete in all the fullness of life and power that comes to God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than you might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and to Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all and living through all. Therefore, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scripture says, when he ascended into the heights, he led a he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to the people. Notice that it says he ascended. This means clearly that Christ also descended into our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until all come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will be no longer then we will be no longer like immature children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with clever lies or things that sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love and in every way more and more become like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit perfectly together as each part does its own special work. It helps the other part grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. With the Lord's authority I say this, 
Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts to him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you've learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus, you have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupt, corrupted by lust and deceit. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbours the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for that would give the devil a foothold. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everyone, let everyone you say, let every word you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you by his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil. Instead, be kind to each other, often be tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Let your life be filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice to us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, immapurity, or greed amongst you. Such sins have no place amongst God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse joking... These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshipping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in these things as other people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is even shameful to talk about things that godly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines upon them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it said, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs among yourself and making music to the Lord in your hearts.
and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And furthermore, submit to one another out of the reverence of Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. And in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ feeds and cares for the church. We are members of his body. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for it is the right thing to do. Honour your father and mother. It is the first command with a promise. If you honour your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just because they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all of your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you are working for the Lord rather than people. Remember the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember you both have the same master in heaven and he has no favourites. A final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on God's armour so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armour so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil and then after the battle you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith and stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan and that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. 
So pray that I will keep speaking boldly for him as I should. To bring you up to date, Tychicus will give you a full report about what I am doing and how I'm getting along. He is, he is a beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love and faithfulness. And may God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It is an amazing book. And the first thing I'd like to encourage you all is to read it. So it'll be really good over the next few weeks, months, as, as we have various speakers come in to talk about Ephesians. It'd be so important that we read the book so we are fully immersed in what God wants to say to us. Ephesians as a book is it's divided into three very clear sections. The first part, uh, Ephesians 1 to 3, describes what God has done for us. It describes, in a sense, where we sit in Christ. It reveals our identity in Christ, and it reveals the wealth of everything that we've received from Christ. The second part, which is sort of verses 4 to 5, it gives us instructions how to live in the light of those blessings. Um, the followers of Jesus uh, are to work, walk worthy of their calling. The gospel is to be lived out in our marriages, in our work, uh, in our relationships, in, in our culture, the way we bring up our children. And then Ephesians ends in chapter 6 with an encouragement to stand firm in the hardships that we may face doing that. And God has provided us with weapons for that warfare. So it's divided into three sections. It's where we sit in Christ, where we walk in Christ, and where we stand in Christ. Where we're sitting, walking, and standing. And Ephesians shows us the reality of those things all working together. There are so many themes that spring out of it. But when we see that reality, it changes our whole life. And Ephesians is um, it's a love story between God and his church that's been going on for 2,000 years. It reveals not only what Christ did for his church, <clears throat> but the gifts that he then bestowed on his church in the form of apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and pastors. And that those gifts will then bring the church to its full maturity. Paul provides significant teaching here on salvation and reconciliation, the nature of God's family and Christian identity. And um, even, as I'm, even as I've read it this morning, there's things like coming into my mind. And I, I mustn't know, I mustn't know. So, <laughs> but the whole goal of Ephesians, and I think this is for us as a church, is to encourage us and to energise us as believers. And that will be our our goal over the next few weeks. So I'd encourage you all this week, read a chapter a day, and Sunday you can have the day off because you'll be here. But at least, at the very least, read a chapter a day, and read a chapter a day every day, and I guarantee that it will change your life because the Word of God is living and breathing. Amen? Amen. So we're going to finish with a song this morning. And Sharon, 
got in touch with me in the week and said about what song we could sing. And I, I thought, what song could we sing that epitomizes the book of Ephesians? And that's quite a, a tough a tough call. But then I suddenly thought about the song, In Christ Alone. And when you look at the words of Christ alone, particularly the refrain in each verse, refers to many things that are in Ephesians. And the more I've read it over the last couple of days, the more I think it, I might retitle it to the book of Ephesians, because it is, everything that's in that song is about the book of Ephesians. So I just thought this morning we'd finish by singing that song a couple of times through. And just allow the word of God to settle in our hearts and to be ready to receive over the coming weeks what God is going to say to us. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.